Join the Betamax Video Club, rewinding back to our favourite films of the 1980s. My name's Rich Nelson, and tonight I've rented The Cannibal Run. Now, apologies that this sounds a little bit different, but the introduction I recorded with my guest didn't come out. My guest for The Cannibal Run was Dean Newman, who's the chief writer for The Daily Jaws. There are some outtakes at the end, but if you're afraid of birds, you might want to fast forward a couple of minutes. Here's Dean. I mean, I guess, I guess first off, I have to say the um, Cannonball Run, it, run is sort of legendary in, in our house. I don't think it was probably the first video we, we ever rented. It, it was on Betamax, quite fittingly. Top loader, of course. Um, and um, that's not why it's, it's legend. Oh, my God. So I've got a bird, a bird squawking in the background here. Tell me, tell me that, is, tell me if that's ruining things. I'll move no, the That's good. It's a bit, a bit of sound effect. Oh, okay. My dog will start. Okay. Okay, so hang on. Actually, if I turn the other light off, hang on. It thinks it's daylight. It's amazing. Hang on. Okay, so uh, what makes it legendary though in our house is that um, we went up to our local video shop, which was uh, called Video Magic, which was a, a little place just above a cost cutters, and. Um, my dad asked for um, that Cannon and Ball movie, Ooh. which, uh, if you remember, was the uh, Boys in Blue, which is a yeah. remake of an old Will Hay film. It also had um, John Pertwee in it. But actually, so my dad asked for that, and actually, when we got home, he put the video in, and uh, it was the Cannonball Run. So we've been giving the Cannonball Run instead of the, instead of the Boys in Blue, instead of the Cannon and Ball film, as he called it. So I, I did happen to catch it on ITV three or four about five years ago. It's not good. Uh, we, we dodged a bullet that video <laughs> rental night. Um, although, although I think somewhere in an alternate universe, I'm doing a podcast with you about the boys in blue. So it's you know it's like sliding doors, or I guess more gullwing doors to be precise. To be fair, I think at some point the boys in blue would probably pop up. I think that was 80s. I remember that as well. And uh, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure if that had happened with us, it would be my dad saying... We ended up with some American shite. And to be fair, though, he was the one who, when I was about eight, rented Predator, thinking, well, it can't be that bad. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, just as my mum walked in and a bit with the skin bodies. But that was the, the joy of video clubs, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, weirdly, you know, that was how you came to find Cannibal Run. And that was how we kind of got chatting on Twitter was over the Christmas schedules. ITV was showing some uh, program called Cannonball. And it seemed to yeah. pop up regularly. I mean, I noticed it myself. And I thought, oh, brilliant, they're showing Cannibal Run. And, uh, of course, you know, it was some poxy game show that uh, clearly clearly stealing from the fine film. Yeah, I mean, I'd, you know, I'd have even settled for Cannibal Run 2 and Tony Danza and, a, and a, you know, and a, an orangutan. Uh, perhaps wouldn't have settled for Cannibal Fever, but, but never mind. But no, but we could maybe come back to those for a future episode. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think to be fair, you know, Cannon and Ball actually would have probably fitted in really well with a Cannonball run. 
uh, probably a lot better than Tony Danza in the orangutan. <laughs> to be fair, it's it's strange that for for anyone who hasn't seen this film, and and I, if if you haven't, I strongly suggest you do before you carry on. This film is pretty much you know, and it always was in my eyes a a real life version of the Wacky Races. Yeah, you know, you've got the idea is based on a real life sort of road race, but you know, different people in contraptions enter this sort of cross USA race from Connecticut to. Uh, California and all sorts of japes on the way you've got souped up motors some really rather larger than life characters and yet it seems to have sort of stuck in the psyche a little bit in the way that the wacky races does yeah definitely I mean I think I I guess for for those who haven't seen it I guess it's it's kind of wacky races meets the fast and the furious I guess more you know the fast and the hilarious I suppose I suppose you could call it Um, I mean this film has got such a a strange and diverse cast you've got everything from burt reynolds probably at, i'd say around the peak of his fame you've got roger mm. roger moore in the bang in the middle of his stint as james bond you've got dean martin and sammy davis jr this is a if this was one of these films now with you know where it's set around valentine's day or new year's eve with these really crazy casts and yet while they don't interact a huge amount everything about it just seems to be sort of set piece set piece but they really do sort of play to their strengths yeah definitely i mean you know you say it flits from setting up one character to another and and essentially everyone else is you know an extended cameo bar but reynolds and and don deloise but you know they're they're the glue that kind of holds it all together and you know it doesn't it doesn't hang about at all even you know, even in today's sort of like fast editing and stuff, you know, it zips from one kind of setup to another. And I think that's quite fitting for a film about speed. At the start, the the opening scene is the Lamborghini sort of doing a, being chased by a police car and stopping to graffiti a 55 speed limit sign. Just sort of sets the tone for the rest of the film, really. Although, of course, it's a, a Lamborghini with a lady in a very tight leotard. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that police car, you know, it's a, it's a, it's not just a police car. It's a it's a it's a Trans Am. So it's you know it's great. And, and as that's happening, you get you get the you get the names Burt Reynolds, you get the names Roger Moore, and, and the title coming up and stuff. And it's just it's kind of you're kind of sold on it just 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 from those moments alone. I mean, it's funny that um, in the sort of nine months or so since Roger Moore died, um, a lot of his back catalogue and, and career past of James Bond seems to have come a little bit more to the fore. But I don't I didn't seem to realise at the time and I was quite young when I, I saw it the first time and, and watching it back again, having seen various documentaries and stuff about his life. Um his role in this film is a cross between Roger Moore and James Bond, where he's essentially pretending to be Roger Moore but acting like James Bond. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. I, I think I think Moore's um, sublime in it, really. I mean, his character's um, Seymour Goldfarb Jr., who believes he is Roger Moore. I, th- I think that was the closest they could... I think originally they did want him to be, think he was James Bond, but obviously there'd be all sorts of lawsuits there. I mean, even the Bond theme is um, the Bond theme to half an inch of its life, I think, just by one note. Um, and, and also car-wise, um, this is the only time... Roger Moore actually got to drive in Aston Martin. All the other Bonds doing Bond films, but he he didn't. He did in this one. Yeah, and it, it kind of feels like the circles complete a little bit. And to sort of stick on the the Moore theme, I mean, there's there's so much to discuss elsewhere. But um, there was some obviously the 
the links to James Bond, but there were so many with the music and the car and, and everything else that apparently Hal Needham did what showed some interest in directing, I think it was it Octopussy and Cub, Cubby Broccoli basically countered his argument with, well, maybe we should sue you for your cannonball run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I believe as well, something which um, Roger Moore apparently kind of sort of um, nixed in, in sort of like 20, um, 14 or something, but um, a- apparently the rumour was going around that you know, because he was wearing the tuxedo and stuff like that, that it was then written to subsequent Bond um, stars contracts that um, that he, you know, that no Bond was able to wear a tuxedo in another film. So, you know, when, when you look at sort of like Brosnan in the remake of the Thomas Crown Affair, etc., you know, there's no tuxedo or anything like that. So it's you know, so it sounds like that kind of thing is kind of stuck since then. Sort of my favourite bit that I noticed it was towards the end of the film, and, and you know, there's not a huge plot to give away, but he's talking to a young lady, and they're in the sort of Californian heat, and he's saying how hot it was on the set of The Fly Who Bugs Me, and it was so, it was so clearly <laughs> yeah, added yeah. in post production. <laughs> You know, and this is just it. It was, you know, and of course, on the journey, he's. I think there are five different women in the car with him across the across the country, and they're all dubbed by the same person. But it's just, uh, yeah, it's just yeah. brilliant, you know. And the fact that you can't imagine uh, Daniel Craig doing that really. <laughs> no, no. Although you know, um, uh, Timothy Dalton was in the uh, sort of Looney Tunes yeah. thing, wasn't he? The uh, the one with Brendan Fraser. So. You know, I'd like to think, and I think I think Brosnan, I think Brosnan would do it, but yeah, certainly not, certainly not Craig. Can't see Craig doing it, which would be which would be a shame. Stick them all in it. Stick them all in one. Bring the Cannonball Run back. And, and I think do that. there, there be must great. be some sort of remake they can do. And and as you say, it kind of there is a link to perhaps it's a Fast and Furious sort of thing where you can get some strange mix of stars throughout the country, uh, throughout Hollywood, and and get them all together and could get. Daniel Craig to replace Roger Moore and I'm not even sure who Burt Reynolds would be probably I'm sure they'd do someone like Adam Sandler or Will Smith or something like that yeah yeah I mean um, although uh, you know, back to those women in Roger Moore's car I think the last one actually thinks he's George Hamilton anyway so they don't even <laughs> think it's Roger Moore yeah it would have been funny if they said it was George Lazenby yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sort of the, as, as you said earlier, the main the main characters within the film are JJ and Victor, who Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise. Um, mm. <clears throat> now, Burt Reynolds at his handsome, mustachioed best, and Dom DeLuise, who's a very delicate character. He's sort of makes <laughs> frequent references to someone else or him, as they say, and it's uh, it's there's such a strange little dynamic between them, isn't there? It is, but I, I don't know why. I just I don't know whether it's because I, I, it's always worked, and they've always been there since childhood, or, or, or it just works. I, I don't know. I, I can't explain it, but it does. Um, I mean, I know critics weren't big fans of the Cannonball Run, but I, you know, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I, I, you know, it, there's there's kind of you don't get anything like that anymore, and it is. I think even even with age. It, it's kind of harked back to those kind of uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world and there's magnificent men in their flying machines and even right down to the beginning intro with the 20th Century Fox logo, there's a bit of animation which kind of helps it hark back to those kind of, you know, Pink Panther sort of films and 
also Hal Needham and Burt Reynolds did a similar sort of thing with the Smoking the Bandit series as well. Yeah, because you know the opening of of the film, the opening part of the film, where they're looking for a particular vehicle to to be the one that they use to drive cross country, and one of the the references they make is, "Should we use a black Trans Am?" And then Burt Reynolds says, yeah. "No, that's been done." And that's great. I mean, e- even as a kid, I got that reference. So it is, you know, it's such it's such a knowing film. It, it, it's and it's knowing, and I think it's sort of like confident as well, and. I don't know. It just kind of, it just rides it, and it, you know, it's not, it's not perfect by any means, but it, it just works. Mm. It just works. Shortly after that, as we're meeting the different characters, um, Sammy Davis Jr. pops up in a bookies to, yeah. uh, to place money on him, and uh, as it turns out, to be Dean Martin playing a yeah. sort of washed-up former Formula One star, <laughs> and they decide in order to because part part of the plot of the film is to avoid uh, police entanglements as it were, trying to avoid arrest and so on and they've decided to dress up as priests in the same way that JJ and Victor have dressed <laughs> dressed up as paramedics driving an ambulance. It's um, it's a clever thing because known for being such hell raisers themselves I don't think I, I can even remember what, what uh, Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr.'s characters are called it doesn't matter because you know they're essentially all playing themselves um so it's even more fitting obviously with the roger moore gambit because he's meant to be playing roger moore so everyone you know everyone's just playing themselves and it's just everyone seems to be having a huge amount of fun and you know that's evident i think throughout the film and especially so in in the kind of outtakes at the end yeah it's um yeah I find it strange as well when you know we talk about some of the cameos and some of the people who pop up. Um, it's the first sort of Hollywood appearance for Jackie Chan, you know, and, and he has a, yeah. a reason of you know quite a, a big part in this film. Uh, doesn't speak any English, but him and his colleague <laughs> have their sort of computer-controlled car, which uh, I suppose is a, a very nice little lead-on into to Knight Rider that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, Auto Man, all, all that kind of stuff, and you know, I think so, you know, if they, if they brought the Cannonball Run back, I'd, I'd quite like to see it almost like a Cannonball rerun, and it be with all the classic cars from the films and TV series from the eighties. So you know, whether it be the Four Guy Truck or you say um, Kit, um, the DeLorean, or all, all those kind of things, the um, you know, the the Dukes of Hazard car, all, all that kind of stuff, and and obviously you know, Four Guy and Dukes of Hazard, all those kind of things, kind of played into the Cannonball Run around that time, and there was all those other films that we said, sort of Smoking the Bandit, and Every Which Way But Loose, or all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and this was it. There was part of that sort of that range of films where it was about sort of going driving, exploring, and you know the there were some rather odd japes that people got up to and yet you know this this kind of took it to that that silly level that you know it, it bordered on fast to some extent but it was funny and you know I say part of the research for doing this and you do wikipedia and imdb and all that stuff and you know at one point this was supposed to be an action film starring steve mcqueen you know yeah. and, and i wonder how that would be more similar to le mans or one of his films when this turned out to be infamous and famous in in equal measure. Yeah, I mean, I could certainly have seen it. Certainly, have seen it working with with McQueen as an action mm. film, definitely. And you know, there are you know still some great 
action sequences in there, um, you know, or, or be it kind of at either end, there's a there's a joke or a laugh. But, um, you know, the, the stunts are still pretty amazing. And obviously Hal Needham, you know, was was a stuntman. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he knew he knew what he was doing. I mean, he, you know, he was a stunt double for Burt Reynolds at one point. So it, what what he brings to it is is fantastic and actually he's got a bit of a cameo he's um when jj and victor decide that they're going to be driving an ambulance he's actually the guy in the back of the ambulance as well so yeah. you know he has his own part to play an in- interesting um story with that actually is that I-, I guess if it was made today it would say the following is based on a true story because um <laughs> brock yates who um wrote it um he actually started off the Cannonball Run, I think, in 1971. I think the last one in, was in 79. And in 1979, both um, Brock Yates and Hal Needham um, took part in it. And they just so happened to be in the very same ambulance that um, that's actually in the film. So, you know, it's it's based, based in fact, folks. It's, it's nice when you see things like that where an element of, of truth is in there and obviously it's hammed up and, and there's a, the comedy added in. But the fact that this kind of happened in, in a strange way. And the fact that, you know, I mean, I, I was aware of Hal Needham from my dad watching all these stunt film, um, stunt documentaries in the 80s and all these ones. I can't even remember some of the films he did, but, you know, where he's j- dropping off skyscrapers onto airbags and things like that. And it was probably part of that that, that led me to, to watching this film. Yeah, I think he actually. I think he actually introduced airbags and you know the the kind of thing that sends a car flipping onto its side and those kind of things. So he, he helped through both his stunt work and his directing. He kind of really helped le- legitimise uh, stunt work as as a profession rather than just someone who kind of was unseen and unheard, but just broke broke their bones. And I think he broke something like fifty six bones in his body, his back twice, and 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 all those kind of things. So. You know, he's certainly been through the mill. Yeah. Again, just basically a, a film revolving around cars and speed and everything. There is there is some really great photography of some of this. Some of it is, you can tell, it's quite amusing when the scenes in the ambulance in the rain, where it's quite clearly yeah. filmed in a garage or something like that. And uh, Yeah, um, poor man's process, I think they call yeah. it. Yeah. And it's, it adds a little bit of the... You know, maybe not the quality, but it certainly adds the charm. You know, just reminded that this is still a film on a budget, and yeah, I, I think it's. I think as well, it, it kind of it, it gives it that kind of classic Hollywood feel as well, because it's you know a, a fair few years before CGI mm. and things like that. But it's a bit like the classic Bond films, you know, um, when Cannonball Run, for instance, when they're coming out the back of a plane on a motorbike, which is still an amazing stunt. Yeah. And I think it was the first time it was ever done. Um, you know, you know they're actually doing it. You know, it's not Arnie in a razor, um, you know, blue screened in, or it's not, um, God forbid, um, Piers Brosnan um, sort of kite surfing uh, out from a tsunami. So, you know, it, you, you know that they're actually doing it. And, you know, even if you know they're actually in a van being rocked from side to side, it's just, you know, pure, pure old school. Uh, but, you know, I think that's what it kind of celebrates. It's almost, I think it's almost sort of celebrating old school Hollywood in a way, certainly with all the sort of Rat Pack people being in there. And I think that was kind of something that was carried on with the sequel because even um, Shirley MacLaine's in the sequel and, and so is 
Frank Sinatra for a couple of scenes because mm. he heard that they had such a good time. Although saying that, I don't think his scenes were actually filmed with anyone there and they ended up using a, a double for the bits where you could kind of see JJ and everyone. But certainly the Cannonball Run 2, I think is is a big is a big step down from from the first one. Yeah, I mean, as I say, it's often often the case, isn't it? But when you think that Burt Reynolds got five million dollars to be in this, and even though he read something that he said he felt like he'd sold out, and yet when I, you know, I know he was in serious films, you know, things like mm-hmm. Deliverance and stuff like that, and yet yeah. you know maybe it's just my age and obviously coming to things a little bit later on where I look at Burt Reynolds and see Cannibal Run and Smokey and the Bandit and that's um I mean the fact that he's had two distinct or more really if you had some of the something like Boogie Nights but you know he's he's still Burt Reynolds he's still a legend yeah you know definitely and I think you're right you know those 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 films you know have a certain of a certain renaissance feel to them and you know it, it's great i mean the, the theme songs for um smoking the bandit or cannonball run you can't help but hear them and and smile it, it kind of almost transports you back sort of like you know 30 years or whatever it's it's great uh you know i, I put it up there up there with the police academy theme mm. you know if someone's whistling that you can't help but, but kind of break out into a smile on your face <laughs> It's uh, it's fantastic, and you know, and and also, so obviously, um, smoking the bandit was um, Hal Needham's directorial debut. Um, then we had uh, smoking the bandit two, which also had uh, Dom DeLuise in it. Then it was Cannonball Run, and uh, obviously, didn't feel he'd sold out that much because '83 he did Stroke at Ace, which is sort of like a NASCAR kind of racing thing. Also had Bubba Smith in it from uh, Police Academy oh. films, and that that was Hal Needham one. Um, he was just at the end of Smoking the Bandit Part 3 and uh, also 84 obviously was Cannonball Run 2 and that, that was kind of like the end of his kind of comedy vehicular films I, I suppose um, but you know, he had a good run He did and sort of again you know, maybe it's just in this country that you feel like Dom DeLuise wasn't as, as big you know, in, in the way that I'm sure most people know who Burt Reynolds are, for example, but, you know, Dom DeLuise has been in so many things. He's been in so many films, often slightly smaller roles or, those, yeah. you know, I mean, I think the, the first thing I'd always remember him was in Spaceballs. I think it was, was it Pizza the Hut, I think he was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but you know, his role in this, sort of JJ's sidekick, really, and yet he has this really bizarre alter ego Captain Chaos I am Captain Chaos who saves the day and and all these well he gets them into trouble a couple of times too but the blazing saddle saddle style punch up scene at the end and he oh yeah that's brilliant he basically walks through them all chucking people out of windows and through buildings and everything it's such a a crazy kind of superhero in the way that perhaps it is your your Clark Kent Superman thing and surprised that maybe if this was made today you'd get some sort of prequel and all about this and why does he disguise himself as a bumbling mechanic yeah no I'd I'd watch that and you know actually funnily enough he he did have quite an impact on me because um, I know when I started in secondary school, he um, we did cross country and mm. stuff like that. And at the beginning, I'd, I'd always run off and do the whole dun dun dun, 
just so I could say I'd been in the I'd been in the lead. It was a bit like that race at the you know at the very end where they're going to kind of uh, sort of put their you know, put their slip in to yeah. be stamped. Of course, I was always knackered after like uh, two hundred meters. But then, um, obviously, I didn't wear a cape or um, or cowl or anything like that. But yeah, I've kind of fond memories of, of of Captain Chaos, even if even if just for that. So they have quite an impact on me. But then, you know, when I did start running properly, I was actually quite good mm-hmm. at it. So, so um, maybe I should have jumped him earlier. But no, Cap- Captain Chaos was great. And so it was just so I could say I'd been in the lead. And uh, I just thought he had a cool kind of call sign. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's great, great stuff. Although, obviously, he, he always wanted to be Captain USA anyway. So. Yeah. And, and as <laughs> yeah, we, we joked about earlier on, you know, that this was one of the first films really that famous for having a, a blooper reel or an outtakes in, in the last credits. And um, mm. this was one of the sort of funnier sets was him basically announcing that he was Captain America and trying to obviously getting it mixed up and you can imagine especially by the, the Captain America of today's standards being a perhaps a similar weight if, if more muscular somewhat but uh yeah yeah, yeah. just a little bit and and I believe as well that you know um uh, Jackie Chan was so enamored with the whole kind of uh, bloopers at the end of um at the end of the cannibal run that he then started doing it in the in the back end of his so we could uh, so we could roll around laughing at how he nearly breaks his neck and back and arms and and all that kind of stuff. I remember our local but, video um, club when I was a kid. You know, we um, they started getting Jackie Chan films in towards the end of the nineties. Things like Police Story and My Lucky Stars and things like that. And my, my brother would almost you know wait for the blooper reel at the end because you know that that was where people would either corpse giggling or Jackie. Chan, you know some of the times when Jackie Chan would look like. Has it? How has he survived this one? But the fact that, yeah. you know, that you can trace that back to this film and and just shows its sort of impact, really. Definitely, you know, and obviously, um, you know, I, I guess Pixar have resurrected it with you know the back of the Toy Story films and um, Bugs Life, etc. But um, I, I think the Jackie Chan one that stood out for me was um, Armor of God. I think he does this jump into a tree or something, and he's he, he's like he's like covered in branches that seem to have impaled him in and stuff like that and he still manages to stick his thumb up at the end but um yeah yeah amazing amazing stuff like that to watch but so there's nothing quite like that in the cannonball run it's more uh i say people corpsing and, and yeah. fluffing fluffing their lines etc uh, but I, I think i think more films should should have those um you know stick them in the back end of daniel craig's james bond films yeah lot, i mean that, that wouldn't take a lot to be honest it's it's funny, you, you know. We, no. so this is one of those films where there, there's an element of sport and competition at the end, and it is the sort of underdogs who who win. It's the two ladies in the leotards mm. again who keep getting who keep getting pulled over by the police. Yeah, um, and they seem to have a very good way of of getting out of their speeding tickets until they meet someone who, uh, let's just say, matches them. Miss Teshmarker from Superman and Superman 2. Yes. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I didn't realise that until sort of re-watching it and it was like, oh, yeah. I, I know her face. Are you saying you, didn't, you weren't looking at it before? Yeah. <laughs> uh, something like that, yeah. something like that. <laughs> and, and also, I'd, I'd completely I'd completely forgot, as you said, the underdogs win, but um, towards the end, it it it, do, it doesn't actually really matter who who does win, um, and you know Captain Chaos has the moral victory. He saves he saves the dog obviously from from drowning. So you know uh, important life lessons there. I think for 
for for young children. It's not all about the money. It's about it's about saving lives. God damn it. Yeah, especially if you're a superhero. And you know, I I, I don't like the fact that he was made to feel bad because he saved a dog you know and if a, if a woman says my baby my baby yeah fair enough you'd think it's a baby but uh if i saw a dog in tr- in trouble i'd uh i'd jump in after that as well yeah yeah well i personally i'm looking forward to him uh turning up in guardians of the galaxy 3 i think that'd be, <laughs> I think that'd be fantastic yeah and then we'll have some overblown avengers nonsense that he'll pop up in as well so yeah yeah and and the talking dog that he saved yeah we'll say one of the other sort of cameos that comes up again sort of a little bit further down the line and this is what leads to the the brawl is that peter fonda showing up in the same jacket he wore in easy rider uh with a huge gang of hell's angels basically starting on the uh the competitors who decided to pose as a honeymoon couple i mean that that was a plot i it didn't it wasn't fleshed out a huge amount but uh, it certainly raised a few giggles yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, um, and, and driving on one wheel all that way yeah. as well. But yeah, yeah. The, the, again, I think that's that's kind of where. I mean, there's no real bad guys in it apart from, I suppose, Mister uh, Mister Foyt. That's it, Mister yeah. Foyt. I suppose he's the. Uh, you know, no one can ever remember his name, but um, I suppose he's the one who, who's kind of seen as a bit bad guyish, I suppose, and and I guess also uh, Dean Martin. And um, oh my god, Complain. Sammy, yeah, yeah, Dean and Dean and Sammy, uh, you know, I, I suppose they're almost like the Dick Dastardly and Mutley of, of, of the piece, but you know, they all kind of come together when, you know, when when danger when danger calls, um, you know, they all come together and they all sort of fight the fight together. So you know, I think again, important life lessons for for kind of everyone there. You know, put your differences aside. Uh, and you know, all, all, all fight together, and I think that that's where um, uh, Jackie Chan gets to show off some of his some of his skills, both martial arts and and comedic as well, uh, to, to great yeah. effect. And not forgetting Roger Moore and his glass jaw. Oh, of course, obviously. you know you don't you don't think James Bond in his prime would take uh, would go down after one punch, but. Uh... <laughs> No, it's, a great it's funny you say um, Jackie Chan's comedic qualities and the fact that at some at one point he decides while he's driving to start watching a porno film. It's um, yeah, you know, yeah, that's true. You wouldn't get that today, would you? Well, the, the weird thing is with all these modern technology and screens and parking sensors, you probably <laughs> imagine that maybe people do. They, uh, I think, so my friend's car's got a Wi-Fi adapter built into it, so I'm sure, I'm sure they do on their travels. But um, it's just little <laughs> things like that. You know, it's that, you know, perhaps the temptation of driving in a technological marvel gets the better of him. Yeah, yeah, and obviously in in the sequel, um, you know, he was stuck in the same car, but um, they they got rid of his um, sort of co-driver and they they brought in uh, Richard Keel, better known as Jaws. <laughs> yeah. um, so you know, Roger Moore wasn't in the sequel, but um, there was still that kind of um, a James Bond kind of a kind of link that continued in the sequel. Um, I, I don't remember there being any porn watching in in the second one though. No. Certainly not from that. There might have been from the um, chauffeur monk, chauffeur uh, orangutan, but certainly not from him. Actually, I think the chauffeur orangutan does have a copy of Playboy at some point. Oh, so, um, so, so there is that kind of continuing thread in in the Cannonball in the Cannonball series. Grand. Well, so I'll definitely have to dig that one out. I think it's been even longer since I've seen that. Well, I, I know I, I, I did go to buy uh, Cannonball Run 2, and I was that disappointed that I took it back to Andy's Records and um, <laughs> got um, I, I got Cobra instead. So 
I don't think I necessarily swapped for. It wasn't necessarily a wise swap, but never mind. No, I mean, I, I bought my, I, I bought a new copy of Cannibal Run for this podcast, and one of those strange things is, um, it came on a Blu-ray DVD double set. My wife, oh, fantastic. my wife said to me, "Why have you bought the Cannibal Run in Blu-ray?" And uh, apparently, my reason of why not? It's uh, <laughs> why, why would you get this film in uh, in full HD? And and um, of course, I watched it in Blu-ray, and some scenes certainly benefited from that. But uh, you know, that's uh, that's for a further discussion. Yeah. My, my sort of one of my favourite parts was um, again sort of Sammy and Dean doing their thing as the priests because at uh, they managed to put, convince JJ and Victor to pull over to to bless them. Um, they wanted to bless them on their journey, and obviously uh, they got out and slashed the tires. But uh, one person we haven't mentioned so far is Farrah Fawcett, who yes, she's um, supposed to be there f- photographing the race and everything for Mister Foyt as his evidence of the races <laughs> of impact on the environment and and so on. She gets kidnapped in a way by JJ and Victor. And she's in the back, and the the doctor, Doctor Van Helsing. Yes, he's brilliant. He's just creepy and wonderful, <laughs> and he's, you know, he's one of these strange people that Victor found in a bar. Yeah, don't ever tell me where you found him. Yeah. And the fact that he always seems to have a syringe full of some strange, obscure <laughs> fluid that uh, yeah, which Dean Martin drinks later yeah, on. That certainly had the desired effect, but um, yeah, as. Uh, as Dean Martin sort of opened the boot of the, or the, the side of the ambulance and found Farrah Fawcett in there, he said, oh, i got to bless her. There was just that. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they are. They, you know, everyone really zings off each other really well. And, you know, and the, the guy playing um, Dr. Nicholas Van Helsing, he's, um, he's actually a, a sort of stalwart cowboy actor, yeah, Jack, Jack Elam. He was in all sorts of stuff from Once Upon a Time in America to Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, Hondo. It was even in Cactus Jack, which was um, a comedy cowboy with Kirk Douglas and Arnold Schwarzenegger, which yeah, was actually directed by, um, directed by Hal Needham. So, you know, they've kind of... He's obviously brought some of his uh, good old boys together <laughs> um, just to kind of have a bit of a bit of a laugh. And, you know, he's got a fantastic big goofy... Smile. I think growing up, um, you know, although I, I I really liked JJ, you know, he's a bit smug, but um, I, you know, I really did, really did like um, sort of um, um, the the doc, the good Doctor and um, Captain Chaos uh, Victor. So I think I think for me they were the two that I that I really loved. Every part of it seemed to work so well, and and I. I... I guess sort of Reynolds probably has the most screen time, I suppose, but uh, everyone just seemed like they were having so much fun making it. And that's part of the beauty of the, the outtakes reel at the end. And mm-hmm. some of the scenes when even you can look in the background, I think of the, the final scene when Victor's been overtaken for the win by one of the girls in the leotards. And um, as he messes up his Captain America, Captain USA line, even you can see Roger Moore cracking up in the background yeah, yeah, it was Mr. Martin's fault. Mr. Martin's fault, apparently, couldn't to the couldn't to the outtake. But um, but yeah, no, they they all seem to be having a, a real blast. And you know, I hate those films sometimes or TV programs where where you see that everyone's having a, a good laugh, everyone but the audience. But here, I think it I think it really comes over r- really well, and you can't help but kind of enjoy it, even if it's you know quite a basic level 
you know, it's never going to win. It was never going to win any Oscars or or anything like that. But I, I think it was something like the sixth highest grossing film in in America that year. So it, you know, and, and that was the year of Raiders of the Lost Ark and and that kind of thing as well. So you know, it, it kind of really did come out speeding. And you know, I think I think it's did, done really really well. Yeah. Um, and I think it still stands still stands up. I, I know it's kind of like a movie of its time. But um, certainly, I'll, I'll be looking forward to introducing it to my seven-year-old daughter just to see what she what she likes about it. Well, she she wanted to watch the Police Academy films, so we've we've done those. So this this seems to be the next next logical step, really, for me. Yeah, see, I've got all this to look forward to. My um, so one of my daughters, she's uh, well, my my only daughter at the moment. She's uh, she's twenty months. So I think uh, if they ever do a Cannibal Run with the Teletubbies and uh, then we might we might be in business, but I think I've got a couple of more years to wait. When number two comes along shortly, I think uh, I'll be uh, entrusted even more, and it'll be one of those scenes where my mum walked in and found the fact that uh, the yeah the part of the skin bodies at Predator, and it'll be that where my wife walked in and sees me and my daughter watching something absurd, like uh, let's say it'll <laughs> either be this or Smokey and the Bandit or something like that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's the circle of life. Yeah, I don't start. She want to watch The Lion King. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the good thing, it does stand in good stead, is uh, I know I think Cartoon Network have just brought back um, Wacky Races. Oh, not as many competitors, but, you know, they have just brought it back. So, you know, it's a it's a good good starting point. I'm sure the originals will still be on YouTube somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Not as good, not as, good as the originals, definitely no, no. not. But um, one thing we did forget, and, um, you know, Foyt playing this character who you know seems intent on basically spoiling everyone's fun he's the uh he's like the guy from ghostbusters is it um the epa official who tries to shut him down he's sort of comes yeah. along and, and at the end when he starts berating everyone saying they raped the american highway and <laughs> decides um, so he, he gets himself a cigar and goes and sits in roger moore's car and you know one of the running gags for the film is that because he's driving in a Aston Martin DB5, of course, there's going to be an ejector seat in there. All these girls who are in Roger Moore's car and they're trying to use the cigarette lighter because in this one it was in the cigarette lighter rather than the gear stick. And yet um, mm. it's uh, it's Roger Moore who gets ejected into the water. He goes in to test it and uh, it's kind of blown back on him, really. Yeah, and I think, it, you know, I think it's it, it kind of, I think it's testament to the film and, and also to, you know, that Roger Moore was quite happy to send, you know, his persona up. And, and as you say, I think since his his death with kind of, you know, people who didn't know got to see that, you know, a lot more that, you know, he was quite, you know, never happier than being self-deprecating about himself. So, you know, I think that's kind of perfect, perfect for it. Um, I, I think that he worked, worked on it for about a week or so. So I think Al Needham was saying in the commentary and um, I think most of the other people, who were kind of bit players and things. They were like two, three, four days or so. Um, but obviously at the beginning and, and at the very end with that sequence takes place, they were all together. But um, yeah, it must have been one hell of a rap party. <laughs> you can imagine if, uh, I'm sure Burt Reynolds was a bit of a hell raiser and had, had all the others in. This was Roger Moore really in the middle of his sort of seven stint run as James Bond. You know, it's the same mm. year that For Your Eyes Only came out. It's around the time he was starting to sort of broaden out. He was doing things like sort of North Sea Hijack and, and things like that. And this was really just trying to see now how 
characters try and reinvent themselves sort of after being typecast. Yet he was trying to do it during. I mean, his James Bond was yeah. always remembered as being certainly the lightest of the six. You know, the fact that he'd parody himself in basically a, a glorified piss take. In fact, it just shows coming back to this a, a year after he died. It just shows how fondly he's remembered and for more than just one character. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I guess some people would argue that he, he was only really one character and that was that was Roger Moore, I suppose. Ooh. But and some people would argue that about Michael Caine and, and Sean Connery. But, you know, I, I think I think they're wrong in all counts, really, just because, you know, they're going to look and sound like Roger Moore because they're played by Roger Moore. So, you know, it's going to... It's it's gonna it's gonna be like that, and you know I, I think as you say, certainly people like Brosnan and etc. They all try to reinvent themselves um, post Bond and and even Connery. But yeah, as you say he was trying to do it while he was while he was doing it. You know, it's just a shame that we ended up with things like boat trip. But, but never <laughs> yeah. mind, can't, can't be helped. You know, I'm a big Roger Moore fan, so you know it, it's great to kind of see him. One of the lures for me for for the Cannonball Run probably when I was little because it was that kind of it's got action it's got comedy it's got Roger Moore you know it, it's you know you could see it almost as it's almost see it as an unofficial Bond film in some ways I suppose when you were little you know where everything where all the blur all the lines are blurred so you know it was just kind of you know along for the ride whether it was in that or North Sea hijack or um, you know any, anything else you know um, any, anything else like that. And uh, I suppose it's fitting as as we come to an end here. It's uh, the scene where it was really his introduction and go back to the start where he was talking to his mother and she, she found a gun under his bed and yet saying, <laughs> I'm Roger Moore, I'm Roger Moore, and yet he has a toy gun with a, a bang flag sticking out the end. It's his... Oh, I so I so wanted that when I was younger. Yeah. I, I did actually end up with a, a Walter PPK from, that was um, a toy one which was used from A View to a Kill. Which had the holster you could wear on the inside <laughs> as well. So, um, so although that that did get broken when I kind of um, rather too playfully uh, smashed it on someone's head, I, I did have to buy a replacement several years <laughs> later. So it is uh, upstairs, upstairs gathering dust somewhere like the uh, Ark of the Covenant. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you know, it's he's uh, it's, great in it, and I think you know every, everyone's kind of at the top of their game. Yeah. And things, you know, and even even as a child, you just kind of watched it, and you knew who Dean Martin was, and you you know you knew who everyone else was in it. So it was just, even if you didn't know their names, you knew them from other things. So it was it was that instant recognition, and it was just, you know, I think it's just a joy, a joy to watch then. And there's a lot to recommend it now. Definitely. Yeah, I say it's in in some ways it's aged. Sort of well in that even as you grow older you can look back and you, you know a bit more and you've explored some of the, the back catalogue of some of the actors in there but it's still fun there's yeah it's dated but it's fun it's it's what a film should be really yeah I mean you know I don't think it's it, I think that was all it set out to be was just a you know a fun ride and you know and we were along for the ride from from start to finish so and we've had as many laughs as, as they've had whether it's in the film or, or through the bloopers at the end. So, you know, I think it's certainly the, still the cannonball fun for me, definitely. <laughs> uh, well, say that was, it was a really good film. I really enjoyed watching it again. Um, so, Dean, where can we find your uh, your writings? Because you write for the Daily Jaws, don't you? 
Yeah, I'm kind of like the chief writer um, for the for the Daily Jewels. So, um, yeah, so there's all, all sorts of stuff uh, from interviews and uh, features and and kind of Q and As and things. So, so there's all sorts of stuff on there and and, and all sorts of new stuff to come in in 2018, especially with Jaws 2 and, and Jaws 3D having having major anniversaries. And of course, Jaws 3D was covered on, on one of your earlier podcasts as well. So I'll be um, um, sinking my teeth into that at some point as well. Full pun intended, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Always. <laughs> right, well, uh, we're going to put the brakes on this and uh, I guess we'll have to rewind it and return it to the video shop. So Dean Newman, thank you very much for joining us on the BMX Video Club. Thanks for having me. I warned you not to interfere in my affairs. Stephen, put the way Seymour, excuse me. That's all right, I'll answer to anything. Yeah. <laughs> you see, even in the deepest family relations, my business is not worth a... Thank you, Victor. As you probably know, we're, uh, we're the favorites to uh, be the winning uh, racers tomorrow in the cannonball race which is going to be supported <laughs> good evening ladies evening hello my name is uh, jj mcclure this is my <laughs> <laughs> next year we're going for the no 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 yes. <laughs> perfect perfect hey better than we have to get this woman, the senator's wife, to Philadelphia by... Make that California, we. <laughs> We're very close. <laughs> because if I had enough time, I would take those rosary bleeds and uh, stuff them up your nose. These bleeds? And those bleeds, yeah. You gonna take these? I take these bleeds here. What? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. If Stop laughing. I don't care because <laughs> you're gonna get a slap. I always wanted to be Captain America. <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he left. He left. He left first. Mr. Martin left first. I can't. I mean, he says, Why were you laughing? Well, because he left and you hit me. I said, I hit him. Got it. <laughs>